On this episode, we're continuing our deep dive of Harry Potter and discussing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. There will be spoilers and spicy language, so if you haven't read this book or watched its film adaption, we'd hop on your trusty hippogriff and fly off to another episode. Welcome back to Page Rage. Welcome back, y'all. We took a we took a teeny tiny break. Work is effing crazy, and as Ashley knows and says, Mercury has lost its shit. Yeah, fuck Mercury retrograde. Okay, <laughs> like I I'm done with Mercury. I want nothing more to do with it. I think we should just remove it from the solar system. It's just causing nothing but havoc. Don't like it. it was, it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks. I'm not gonna lie, guys. So mm-hmm. we're trying to catch up on all the reading, even though we've been frazzled af (laughs) my reading list is so insane it's making me even more frazzled like my book cart is exploding my nightstand has like a towering lit like thing of books on it i have a million books that have been sent to me from like neck alley or that i've purchased in like my ibooks i have books just like exploding out of everywhere yeah, I bought another bookcase. <laughs> I need to. I literally need to buy another, at least another one. It's absurd. Yeah, I bought another one, especially after the trip we took to DC. Oh and we bought, I don't know who I thought. I, I have to limit myself from now on. I can't we did, but our limit was very high. <laughs> I still have that in a bag because I don't even have room on my book yep. for all those books that we bought in DC. I, I literally cannot with myself anymore. And it's not even like an actual bookcase. It's those like cubbyhole ones, oh, yeah. like the eight yeah. ones. I just started yeah. like, okay, these are all going to be yeah. books. That's what's happening. Lord. I'm going to start giving away books that I did not like and putting them in those little libraries that are everywhere. I think I need to do that. I need to do a serious overhaul and be like, just let it go. Like if you didn't like it, let's put it somewhere else. Maybe somebody will. And then it makes room for books we actually did like. That's my next goal. Like I'm looking at a couple of them that I could probably <laughs> nix out. She's literally looking at them. Like she's literally <laughs> <laughs> Also, fun fact, Kat and I will be going on our first trip across the pond since 2019 in like basically a month and a half. Very excited. But also fun fact, because my job paid for at least my flight and I'm in like a bougie like seating, I get a I get two free check bags, Kat. So we can literally <laughs> we can literally buy another suitcase there and fill it with a whole bunch of books and clothes and whatever crap we need. Winning! <laughs> <laughs> I think every single time we've gone on a trip, we've had to ship shit back from yeah. wherever we were. And we, don't have to. we can literally just buy another suitcase and throw it in there and it'll go on its merry way. Isn't that wonderful? What a dream. What a, what dream. a dream. Like, we are going to live our best lives. <laughs> I love that. I love that for us. I love that thanks. for us too. Tell your job I said thanks. I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll personally write to my CEO and I'll be like, JT, thanks for my upgrade. I am planning to use my second bag. You have no much, no idea how much joy you have brought me. Sincerely, <laughs> your frazzled affiliate marketing everything. I do all the things at this point. So. Oh my god. I could take Savage to London. It'll be his oh my god. motherland. Oh my god. I know Barty, but I don't want to fly with Barty. I don't want to put him through that stress. But I, I one day I just want to walk around with Barty in London in a little tweed outfit and just let him live his best little life. So I want to knock on Buckingham and be like, Queenie, look. It's a corgi. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> friends, let's hang out. Can I see your pack? And you can see my tiny pack. <laughs> we just and hold up. We just hold up Barty and Savage. Like, 
They're gonna be like, please leave. I feel like she'd be like, wait, 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 thumbs up. Us. But now go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now You've had can. enough. That'd be enough for me. I mean, same, 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 same. I just I keep hoping that good. randomly we'll be there and we'll just like see her in the wild somehow, somewhere. <sighs> it would make me so happy. Just like a little wave. I do love her little outfits. I know they're so cute. She was monochrome before it was like a thing. I'm like, she is the monochrome queen. Like, who are you talking about? It's not Haley Bieber. It's Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. How dare they? Little box hat to her toes. Like, come on. How dare they even compare that? <laughs> Nonsense. She is the OG, so you heard uh, it here. We might actually think about going back to a London studio tour because they might have a different Harry Potter theme. Yeah, they might. They might. We'll have to check it out. I know they um, added some stuff to Privet Drive. We'll check it out. Speaking of Harry Potter, that's this week's episode. We're taking on the third Harry Potter installment, The Prisoner of Azkaban. This book came out in July of 1999, and it might have been the year I was voted most likely to be caught reading in sixth grade, (laughs) and introduces us into a slightly more sinister vibe. Harry is fully in his third year of Hogwarts and is being hunted by a mad fugitive who just happens to be his godfather. We meet a whole new set of characters, the Marauders Unite, and Harry once again has to save all of wizard slash muggle kind at a solid 13 years old. Back in 1999, what did you think about this book? (laughs) And I was 11. Um, I mean, I still remember reading this book. I remember reading all of them, at least in some capacity, mostly because me and my best friend, uh, Lindsay at the time, would literally go wait in the bookstore at midnight, you know, do the whole signing experience, and then go back to her parents' house and just sit there and like read until somebody yelled at us to turn lights off and just get as much as we can. And so that was always our, and we thought we were so fancy because we were in Barnes and Nobles with our like chai tea lattes, which gave me an instant <laughs> headache. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> we just thought we were so cool. So, but anyway, but this one felt exciting because it felt more adult because it was a little bit darker. Like the first two mm-hmm. books were very kid-friendly and it's like I was pretty much the same age as the the kids in the book when this came out and so it just felt like ooh, we're like in on something like the adults don't even know what we're reading right now so I thought it was like super exciting that it went a little darker I don't know that I was expecting it I think maybe this might be where my love of like thrillers and (laughs) twists came from definitely the series but what about you I liked it um I can't say I remember reading it I didn't really pop into my memory until the fourth one because that's actually one of my favorite ones that's also huge i remember just having that one in our hands like (laughs) so big she upped the game on that one sure did but i do remember thinking oh this has gotten a little bit edgier than the first two like it didn't feel like a kid's book as much anymore Mm -hmm. it had like upgraded to ya exactly fancy so I can't say it's my favorite book of the series. Four and seven are my favorite, but I definitely liked it. I liked getting to know more. I like backstories. So I liked seeing all the different backstories and having, you know, all the friends reunite the Marauders pop in. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't my favorite, but it definitely was a turn in the way that the books went. Even when you watch the reunion, they said they switched because that's when they switched directors because mm-hmm. it got a lot darker on that one. Yep. Well, this is the book that introduces us to one of Harry's favorite charms, the Patronus charm. What would your Patronus be? And I know we've all taken the quizzes. I don't care about that. But what would yours be like if you could make it something? When I took the quiz, I don't even know what animal it gave me. I've never Mine even heard random. of that animal. It was like a was- silver 
patched. It was some kind of horse. I was like, okay. I had never even heard of the animal. I had to Google what it was. I was like, is this even real or is this like the hippogriff? Like it's completely made up in some weird world. If mine was, I would say, I want to say it's a corgi, but I'm way more vicious than my dog. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably go with either a wolf or a bear. That's probably what I go with. What about you? Well, since I was born in the Chinese year of the dragon, I would definitely have to say it would be a dragon. It's very fitting for me. So. That's nice. Yeah. That's why I've been like one of my favorite facts. Mine's the year of the tiger. I love that. Which, That's not fun. You should be a tiger. You could be a tiger. I'll be a dragon. Let's call it a day. It works because <laughs> tigers are like solitary cats. Like they don't like packs. And I was like, I also don't like people. So same. <laughs> I just like to breathe fire when I'm angry. So it's very <laughs> fitting. So those are good answers. We had some solid like vicious ones. <laughs> I mean, you expect anything else? <laughs> Speaking of vicious animals, we get introduced to a lot of new characters in this book. Who was your favorite and why? I think now my favorite is Lupin out of the new ones that we were introduced to. But as a kid, it was definitely serious just because of the fact that I felt so strongly about Harry finally having someone who was more of like a tangible family member And it made me so happy for him. I don't know why I just disregard Lupin. Like Lupin was just as close to Harry's parents as Sirius was. But I guess because he was his godfather, it just felt more official. But obviously, I have a lot of issues with Sirius as we go. But I think Lupin. Lupin was fun. He was interesting. He was so smart. He was the first Mm -hmm. Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher who actually knew what he was talking about. And they actually learned something from. So that was definitely interesting just to see that evolve and them actually doing magic that made sense. What about you? As a kid, mine was Lupin because I liked how nice he was. Mm-hmm. He was like, very nice. All the suffering he had to go through, but he still was a kind person. Mm-hmm. I like that. Now that I'm older and I don't know if it's as much a person as a thing, but I loved the Marauders map. Just so clutch in everything mm-hmm. they did from then on out. It became such a big player in the Harry Potter world. There was a lot of things that happened in this that that we saw live throughout the next few books and from the Patronus mm-hmm. charm to the Marauders map to obviously all of the struggles with like Snape and Sirius and Lupin and everything. So yeah, it was, there was a lot going on here. And it's always interesting rereading knowing everything that happens and seeing the little Easter eggs. I wonder if she even knew they were Easter eggs at that point. Maybe, maybe not. I think she knew what she was doing. She made this world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. I think she did, but I think there also might be some things she's like, oh, I could work this into this. You know, I don't know if every single thing was planned, but I definitely respect uh, the writing, at least. I would have loved to have seen her, like, create a board. Like, was it a whole house? Like, I couldn't remember all the stuff that she did if I was her. Like, my brain would have exploded. Yeah, I don't know where she kept all that. We've seen the cafe where she was, like, sitting and writing in Edinburgh. And I don't know where she kept all that in her brain or notebooks or what. Or they just let her (laughs) sit in a corner and keep all her stuff there. I don't know. (laughs) Like, picture those old school, like, science boards. Like, three (laughs) She's just surrounded. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I picture. (laughs) Before she lost her damn mind. But anyway. sure did. Mm -hmm. JK. I don't even want to talk about it. (laughs) So still very, so disappointed in you. But anyway, for the past couple years, at some point in the book, or at least maybe the past year, because the first year he didn't even know them, he at some point had ended up hanging with the Weasleys, spending time with the Weasleys. And it's so awkward because like the Dursleys hate him. They don't like him. He obviously doesn't like them. It's like, why at this point 
doesn't Harry just move in with the Weasleys? Like, why doesn't he just go home to the Weasleys? Like, not knowing all the things we know further down the road. Nobody knew any of the spell, love spell, whatever the hell was mm-hmm. happening in the house. Why do you think he wasn't just like, I'm going to go hang out with them for the summer? Bye. <laughs> was he even allowed to? Like, they always just dropped his ass right back off there. I just am so boggled. I always wondered that. How did he get off? Nobody ever showed him, like, getting off the train, picking But in the up. books, they talk about, like, the Dursleys standing behind the Weasleys, just, like, giving them mm-hmm. faces. Like, they came willingly to get him every time. I don't know if it was just because they kept getting, like, random threatening letters from Dumbledore. <laughs> like, <laughs> what it was, because, like, the Dursleys couldn't stand him. He caused havoc in their eyes. Like, I just, I don't even know why they just kept doing this to themselves. I don't think they were really allowed to just, like, separate. They had to do it. <laughs> He was not. Of course, I wouldn't go against Dumbledore either. Yeah. <laughs> with my ass. I don't know. I would have just slid in with the Weasleys and like, I'm just going to be here. You won't even <laughs> notice I'm here. There's so many of you. So it's fine. It's great. It's great. Let's do this. He just lived with Ron anyways, like the last couple Pretty weeks much. every single time. Pretty much. But I did like when we were at the Dursleys, how you could see a little bit more growth in Petunia as a character out of everybody, like the insiest bit, like in this third book, when she had that moment, like that reaction she had at Aunt Marge's tirade. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. That terrible. Disgusting. Her like reaction. What'd you think about that? I don't even know that I've ever fully registered it because I'm just so angry at what Marge is saying. And just so just to try to think of a kid hearing that about his parents and like, how are you that person? That That's just what you're talking about somebody who literally lost their parents. How horrible or stupid of a human do you have to be to say something like that? So I think I've just always been more frustrated at that than actually like paying attention to Petunia maybe being a human for like 0.5 seconds 0.5 that's about a little less that's about all it lasts I just always think I'm like god this is how you and Vernon grew up how awful were your parents oh god I know and the fact that she has bulldogs I'm like you have to be a very particular person to have bulldogs because they are so much work and take so much time and you have to be so I mean, you're cleaning their faces out. You're like, you know, waiting on them hand and foot. So it's it's not like you can be somebody that's just completely inconsiderate and have a bulldog. It doesn't go hand in hand. So that doesn't make sense to me. But I do love the bulldog in the movie. He's so cute. <laughs> I know. And that moment when the, he growled, I was mm-hmm. like, that dog didn't growl. No. I was like, you better stop. No. <laughs> no. I was like, I know a bulldog growl, though. They sound pretty silly. So at least Barney does. <laughs> like, stop like, it right now. That's a sound effect. Stop it right now. <laughs> so cute well we go through a lot of ministers of magic in this series i think we go through as many ministers as we do defense <laughs> against the shark arts yeah. but why do you think cornelius fudge as minister of magic takes such an interest in harry's welfare when he arrives at leaky cauldron in this particular book he almost reminds me of lockhart in this book because mm. he's just like using him oh yeah no don't worry about it yeah you did magic it's fine it's fine i just feel like he he, i i mean he obviously has a hidden Mm -hmm. hidden agenda with everything optics serious politicians yep Uh he's a hardcore politician absolutely i do laugh though at his like pinstriped (laughs) like cape and outfit it's so silly (laughs) i like how they dress all of them they end up looking so ridiculous and so vivid in Mm -hmm. my head 
Yeah, I do. I do enjoy that. But yeah, I mean, I think you think he's going to be in big trouble and like reading it. And then when he's just like, oh, don't worry about it. But mm-hmm. he's just trying to skirt around the serious black issue and everything else. So it's a very interesting little moment that they have. Yeah, I always wonder, like, he knows it's his godfather. So he's mm-hmm. like, in case this goes left, mm-hmm. let me make sure it was really nice to you. <laughs> Remember my name. <laughs> right. Although I did think it was funny in the book and they didn't show it really in the movie, but Harry was literally trying anyone and everyone to sign his permission form. So like in the book, he was asking like the Minister of Magic and McGonagall and like Dumbledore. He's like, you guys literally run the world. Why can't you sign my permission slip? Like it was so- I just found that so endearing because as a kid, that's all you want to do is go on your field trips, you know? So I thought that was so endearing and I was sad we didn't get to see him. Hey, look at you also. Like it was just, it just added to Harry's character, you know? It brought him, it made him more human, you know, more realistic. I will have to say on this book, I did like Hagrid's moment. I love me some Hagrid. Do you think he made a better gamekeeper or professor? I actually think that Hagrid had so much potential as a professor because he loves animals so much. And who doesn't want a teacher that's so in love with their, you know, chosen profession or their career? Because that's when you learn the most, even about topics you really don't like. Like any, any like math class that I was super involved in was because of how much the teacher loved what they were going through with us, you know? And so mm-hmm. I hate math with a burning passion. So I think that was the same here. It's like he had so much potential to show them really respect for creatures, how to interact with creatures. But I think Hagrid always struggles with confidence as well because of what happened to him as a kid. I just think he always struggles with that confidence level and always feeling like he's like an inch away from like losing Hogwarts because that's his home Mm -hmm. too. So I I always feel bad for him. But Hagrid's also wild. Like those books were insane. (laughs) You know, on the other hand, it's like, we got to find a happy medium, sir. Like why wasn't Dumbledore... Why don't these books go through like McGonagall for like final approval? Like, no, Hagrid. <laughs> Let's find something that isn't trying to eat our student. You know what I mean? Like, why was there no checks and balances? I think that's my only thing. What about you? I love I love everything about Hagrid. There's no, he does no wrong in that. Just uh, like I, he does wrong with that hairy suit. I do not like that at all. Yeah, but I mean, it's very it's, Hagrid. Yeah. I think every time I think of Hagrid, it's always when he stands up at the table and they introduce. And no matter what book, like that scene goes through where he's like so nervous, and I'm always like, <laughs> everything is like tumbling. Yes, Aww. I love you so much. He's everybody else like yep. McGonagall and the other guy Flitwick are like catching all the stuff, and he's like <laughs> trying to look professional. It's so cute. Um, it's so cute. I love me some Hagrid. He's just, I think he's like my top three favorite character. He is great. You know, like you said, he loves what he does. And also he's very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. He He knows everything about everything. Correct. I 100% agree. I think he just needed that confidence boost. Like you belong here. You're not just going to get kicked out because Lucius has a bad day. And I don't think he ever had that moment. So, you know, he's had a rough go of it. That's for sure. Well, another big character in this book um, and that we see throughout the rest of the series are the Dementors. Love them, hate them, however you feel about them. Rowling had at one point said that these really came out of her deep feelings of depression, which I think you can absolutely see Mm -hmm. um, exactly how that could be. But do you think these were a little dark for a children's book, at least at this point? I mean, it's funny to to say that knowing where these books go. uh, Or do you think it was 
it just fit the story. I think it fit the story. At this point, I can think of growing up with this. So you're aging as everything's getting darker, quote unquote. So I think it totally fit the story that we have. I mean, what else could keep wizards who are insanely powerful in jail, but something that drains you of everything. So I I mean, I thought it fit very well. What about you? Yeah, I did too. I mean, they were terrifying, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I think the film did a great job of bringing them to life. They were exactly what you thought they were going to be mm-hmm. and as horrible as you thought it would be. And I agree. I think that there had to be, you know, to every world, there has to be that dark side. There has to be something that like you said, keeps people in line and there has to be something that's causing a little bit of a ruckus because in the last book, in this book, obviously we don't have Voldemort. So you have to have some kind of, obviously we have Sirius Black, but then you also have the Dementors and Harry struggle with them throughout this whole book. I think it was fine. I, I, I think, especially like you said, for the age group that was probably reading these at this point, I mean, I was like 11 and it wasn't, it didn't keep me up at night or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it definitely set the tone for where these books were going to go. Well, in this one, Hermione has a huge secret with the time turner. Why don't you think she shared it with Ron or Harry? I mean, come on. Ron would have blasted <laughs> it everywhere and he would have tried to like misuse it and make her yeah, and get her in trouble. Like, let's be real. Ron would have been like, oh, like, let's go. It would have been for stupid nonsense. And I'm sure McGonagall told her to keep it on the DL because it wasn't something that every student was going to have access to. So I would have done the same thing. (laughs) I a thousand percent agree. I know. (laughs) I know you would have been like, listen, we just lost that Quidditch match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not how it works. So yeah, it would have been ridiculous. He's such a mess. I love him. (laughs) Ron really is. He he is, but we, we all love him anyway. I know I've already discussed some of the other people and things causing drama in the background, but of course we have Lucius Malfoy as per usual. Last book, he was the one leading the charge against Dumbledore, uh, really getting him suspended as headmaster. In this one, he is the culprit behind making sure Buckbeak is originally executed for attacking Draco. Why do you think everybody is so scared of Lucius? I'm going to assume because he's rich (laughs) and also he has like the weird backing of I was once a death eater. It's just Also, he's an asshole. It's so weird to me though because you think in a society where everybody has magic, what does money matter when you have magic? You know what I mean? It's like you can come Mm -hmm. from nothing and be the most powerful wizard like Voldemort and money had nothing to do with it. You know? So it's like it's weird that the same constructs that we deal with would be impacting, I guess, a wizard society too, in my head. But I mean, I'm not, that's not saying it wrong. So obviously that is what was, what was part of it. And also that people were so scared of him because he was so close to Voldemort. I think it's so interesting when Voldemort does come back and you see how he treats Lucius. It's like, Mm-hmm. why you know if you have all this power and you you know have your own thing why would you even allow yourself to be treated like this by somebody who's not even a pure blood wizard you know it just doesn't make sense to me i don't even think he's that <laughs> good of a wizard is what i always yeah. thought like it's not like his magic is that great in my opinion he never really does anything no no we yeah. just see him causing drama in the background that's it that's all he does he's like a karen he is a karen he is an absolute karen that's all he does is cause a ruckus in the background and make life miserable for everybody else so at the culmination everything kind of just explodes at the shrieking shack say that five times fast i need to do more mouth exercises did you think that scene was gonna happen how it happened did you think something was gonna come out of left field i did not think it was gonna go down quite the way it was because in the book at least that's when we find out just how everybody is so interconnected i i think we had had an inkling 
a little bit before that in the book that Sirius was his godfather. I can't remember if he found out in the, because the book and the movie are different. So I can't remember in the book if he found out the Shrieking Shack or a little bit before, but it was interesting because I I do remember reading that and you thought they were going to have like a total battle at that point. I definitely didn't. I totally thought Sirius was an evil character. Like I did not think he was going to turn out to be who he was. So I definitely did not see that coming the way it did. I mean, it was really interesting seeing the showdown between Snape, Lupin, and um, Sirius and just seeing all those like past grudges and feelings that were like bubbling to the surface. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I remember when that happened. And I can understand Snape by being being bullied and Mm -hmm. still holding on that grudge. But when Sirius came out with all the immature nonsense, I was like, sir, you just spent 12 years in Azkaban. Like, didn't you just have some other shit you should have been worried about? Here's versus- the start of some of my issues with Sirius and being just yeah, immature. Like, yeah, high school. Like, <laughs> that's what I kept thinking. I think, his, I think his mentality just stayed rooted mm-hmm. in the age he was when he went into Azkaban, which, fair. You know, like, it's not like he was living and growing and having experiences in Azkaban. He was just trying to stay alive. So that's fair. I also was super shocked. I remember when I first read about Peter Pettigrew. Oh, Oh my god, same. It like blew my blew my little kid mind. I was like, what? <laughs> that was same. wild. I did not see that coming in any capacity. That that one was my biggest yeah. mind blown. That was what? nuts. It's just like everything that happened. Just so crazy. Like the end of this book is like you're everywhere. It's wild. But the other thing for me though, I, I mean, there's a couple points that I always question in this book. One is if Sirius was still loyal to the Dark Lord, Voldemort, why would Snape even be against him? Like, I know that they had their drama, but it's like, you know, you would have thought he would have been helping him instead of the reverse, you know, like that kind of thing. Like, oh, we're all in the same. We're all in this together. <laughs> you know, like that, that scenario. So it's like that always, you know, now knowing what happened to all the books like that, I kind of think about that. And then my other puzzle, which I meant to bring up earlier, is the Dementors. And this is actually a question I have for you. And I'm sorry, I'm veering off completely for the left. But I was thinking about this after this reread. And you know how later on the Dementors side with Voldemort? And so the ministry is like, well, we can no longer trust them. They've let everybody go, etc, etc. If the Dementors somehow were loyal to Voldemort, why would they not have sensed Voldemort in Harry as a horcrux and left him alone? That's what I never understood. Like, I just, I was, I was like, why is that? Why would they go after him so much if they especially somebody who had so little happiness in his life and then literally has a piece of Voldemort. He's a horcrux. Why wouldn't they have left him alone? That's a good question. But then I think about it, how Sirius said he survived as he was basically a dog Mm -hmm. the whole time. But you're still you in there. Yeah. So how would they not notice him just in a different form, essentially laying down on the floor? Yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. So I have some questions about Dementors. And so if anybody wants to to talk and fill me in on your theory, let me know. But that's, that's bothering me because he literally, had Voldemort inside of him. Why would they not have picked that up if they rode so hard for him? Were they with him beforehand? I don't think they were with him beforehand, but it's not like they just all of a sudden snapped and decided, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. there had to have been like, oh, we know this. We're kind of cool with him. We're, we're kind of like him. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of things. I also remember, I think one of the things I liked the most about the book versus the movie, uh, when she described the Dementors, there's like a line I wrote down. It says, they're getting hungry. Mm-hmm. And they never 
say that in the movie. And when I read that in the book, I was like, I was a little creeped out. Yeah, yeah. that shook me. I was like, oh, that sounds really creepy. Yeah. And I was that great. Not okay with that. Yeah. I would like to learn. Could she do a backstory on the Dementors? I would love a little ditty about the Dementors. Like, I would Where love to know from? their origin. Why did they get so angry? Why did they become this way? How do they reproduce? How do they come to be? Somebody please tell me. I would love to know. This is like a total side tangent. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the Dementors. In the book, um, Immortals After Dark, it's like that giant series. Mm-hmm. And they're wraiths in it. And they're yeah, all women. And they and it doesn't give a backstory on a wraith. But they're like uh, guarding this house. Mm-hmm. And they basically essentially look just like a Dementor. Mm-hmm. But like a female version. And so one of the big players in it, she's like screaming she like comes out of her robe slash hair whatever they wear and she screams and she looks basically like mm-hmm. a Demetra would look under a robe and he goes i think i fucked you before oh my and god like, for like a quick second she like shines back as like this beautiful woman and then she like disappears right back again and goes back to her husband. and i was like that's what i always kind of weirdly pictured the dementors like once upon a time they were something mm-hmm. beautiful and wonderful and I don't know. I would like a backstory. Yeah, I agree. I feel like wraiths, banshees, dementors, I feel like they're all mm-hmm. in the same family, you know? Same. Yeah, very much feel like maybe even like little reapery. Bringing it back to the story. So I think this pretty much goes with a lot of the series. But Harry obviously repeatedly says he doesn't feel worthy of all of the attention as the boy who lived because literally that's all he did was live. He didn't, there was nothing that he did to defeat Voldemort, right? But Dumbledore and Lupin. And literally everybody else throughout the series continue to give him hints to help defeat whatever piece of evil he's working against. Why do you think these grown-ass adults continue to put their trust, like, and the fate of the entire Wizarding World in the hands of a 13-year-old who has exactly three years of magical experience? You know, I don't know, but, like... Side note, like Harry has some really deep thoughts for a 13 year old. I I just want to like make that known that he's really deep for a 13 year old. I wasn't this deep at 13. Why they're doing this. Sometimes I think Dumbledore is almost pushing him to grow up faster because he knows it's going to go left at some point. Like how Snape said, you raise him like a pig for slaughter. Like, I feel like Dumbledore is really just pushing him like, you're going to have to figure this out because I know what's going to happen in the end game and I'm not going to be here to this. So that is the only thing I could think of. I'm not really sure about Lupin. Yeah, I think Dumbledore, it makes sense because we, we know that he knew. And I think he was just trying to give Harry all the tools he could, knowing what was coming. But I mean, Lupin obviously had no idea but at the same time, I don't know that Lupin was trying to put as much pressure on Harry as like Sirius and Dumbledore and some others did. I think Lupin Lupin really was just trying to help him because Harry, mm-hmm. you know, was really going to him to be like, can you help me figure out how to conquer my fear of Dementors? Because one thing I will always give Harry, and I appreciate this, it's something I try to do in my life, is he confronts the things he's afraid of until he can either deal with it, get through it. Or figure out a way around it, you know, but he always confronts it head on. He doesn't like really run from it, you know, and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. And I think that's just a lot about who he is as a, as a person, I agree. even a fictional one. I mean, even though Harry has never been my favorite character in this book, yeah. I do give him props for his character development mm-hmm. throughout the whole journey. So do you think out of all the characters in the book, do you think he had the biggest growth between book one and three? I don't know about growth, but I know that he's had a lot of shit happen to him <laughs> between one and three. <laughs> so I would say he probably does have the biggest growth. I can't think of anybody who has anything bigger. 
I think he, I think by book three, he's just kind of sinking into who he is in the wizarding world. I think he's kind of accepted it instead of everything being new and shiny, like we see in book one and just everything is like mm-hmm. rose colored glasses and, you know, like the silly fantasy fairy tale world. It's like shit's getting real, you know? So, I, and he has to, he has to deal with it as does Hermione, as does Ron. However it is, Ron deals with it. So. <laughs> There were parts in the movie where Ron's face was just like baby Ron. And I was like, oh my God, you're so adorable. They are. They are. And it's it's just so funny to see how much they're growing in the, the movie, just like the characters and everything else. So mm-hmm. I was like, everybody hit puberty in this one. Mm-hmm. I was like, this was, this was the time. Like, this was the book. Oh man. Oh God. And it was the start of like the horrible hair era of uh, Ron, Harry, and the Weasley twins of uh, Fred and George. Because there are some moments I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so. <laughs> well, this brings us to the movie version. So The Prisoner of Azkaban came out in 2004 and brought us the wonderful Gary Oldman as Sirius, Emma Thompson as Trelawney, David Thewlis as Lupin, and the brand new Dumbledore, Michael Gambon. This was the first in the film series to utilize primarily real locations, fun fact, and it was actually the second highest grossing film of 2004 after Shrek 2, ironically. <laughs> Interesting. What were your thoughts on this adaption? Do you like it? it? Love it? I liked it. I love me some Gary Oldman and Emma Thompson. They. Oh my God. When she came out with those co bottle glasses, just <laughs> eyes. It was the most perfect Trelawney I think I could have asked for. It was all the rest of the characters, I will say, you know, they were, they were just weren't always quite what I wanted. But when she popped out, it was exactly <laughs> how I saw her. It was so good. And the way she talked. It was. <laughs> it made me so happy. Like, it was just so perfect. I, I could not. But I, <laughs> I... I remember that part. <laughs> when she does the prophecy and then she's like... <laughs> it like kills me every time. I was just like, she must have had so much fun in this in this role. I know. It's like, I know the I know the kids were having fun, but you could tell the adults were as well. And I think that's what I loved about it so much. Um, oh, what about you? Some of the things I really did enjoy about the adaptation, I liked it. Um, some of the things I really liked were the way they used the Whomping Willow to like show how the seasons were changing. I don't want. The scene that cracks me up and it kills me every time. And it's so silly. I don't know why. It's when it's like fall and you're just watching the Whopping Wheel and then all of a sudden it's like, shoom. And it's just like butt ass <laughs> naked. And it just kills me. I don't know why that is so funny. If there's nothing happening, it just loses all its leaves at once. And it kills me every time. I don't know why. Oh. I don't know why. So I love that. I really did like this one. I love that we really get to see Hogsmeade. We get to see a little bit more of like Leaky Cauldron. We just mm-hmm. get like to peer into some different pieces of the world outside of just Hogwarts. One thing I did not like, I have a couple things. One, freaking Draco needed some goddamn purple shampoo and some toning. His hair was freaking yellow in this movie. Like mm-hmm. what was happening here? It was driving me crazy. I was like, sir. What is going Honestly, on? I'm surprised his hair didn't fall out at some point. He said it didn't. Like in, in the you know reunion, he was like, I'm kind of yeah. surprised too because they bleached it, what, like every other day or something? It was crazy. Oh my God. Poor kid. It was crazy. But yeah, that drove me absolutely nuts, which is just a silly little thing. But also the other thing I didn't really like was the fact that in the book, Quidditch is such a big part of it. 
And I loved Oliver Wood and all of his little muttering and just like his craziness about winning and just how big of a deal it was. They won the Quidditch Cup that year and they had barely any of that other than the really bad storm. Also, I am so angry that they denied me the Lee Jordan and McGonagall back yes! and forth. <laughs> like there were so many good things that happened in this Quidditch match. I'm so sad we didn't get to see any of it. I loved, every time I would read them going back and forth, it was like one of my favorite parts in the book. <laughs> so it's like, all right, all right, they're bleeding. <laughs> it was so good. One of the greatest rooms <laughs> ever. What is this, an advertisement? <laughs> they're like, killing me i wish i would have seen that and like lee jordan's in like the first and second and then he never oh, comes God. back i'm telling you like there were just so many good parts that were rolled into quidditch in this year i'm i'm sad we didn't get to see it so if they ever do remake this or do a tv series or something and they do focus again on these books i hope we get to see that for this this season because it was so funny i think one of my biggest things i hated about this is the cgi for the dogs and the werewolf were absolutely terrible it was really bad but it was 2004 so I guess I give them a little bit of a pass but I even remember being like this this is the dog you chose it was so small it did not fit what it was supposed to be at all and I know Lupin was you know like anti-werewolf so like you had to see him all was it malnourished and stuff like that like is that how they look like you couldn't have given him some fur like he's like ball I know he looked like the Chinese crescent dog yeah I think I was more annoyed with the way they made Padfoot like you know Mm Sirius Black than the werewolf I expected him to come out like the Twilight yeah massive massive wolf dogs I'm like this is not gonna take down a werewolf like get out of here I think that was my biggest so what did you think about this one's Dumbledore. I liked it because I felt, I've said it before, obviously we don't want any actor to pass away like in the middle, especially in the middle of filming a series like this, but I think for where Dumbledore has to go in the next, you know, few movies and the, the final end to this book, I think we needed this version of Dumbledore. My, one of my favorite parts in this movie is at the end when they've already done the time turner, they fixed all the things they meet Dumbledore as he's coming out of the infirmary and he was like, well, and they're like, you know, they give him an answer and he's just like, he's like, what are you talking about? And then he just like goes off and like whistles away. And it was, he just just has that like twinkle in his eye. And that's always how they describe Dumbledore is like, he had this like twinkle in his eye and then this just like kind of spry manner. And I didn't get that from OG, you know, the first, the Dumbledore, the first two movies, but this one, felt like Dumbledore to me. And that part, I just love. I wrote that too. I was like, where he goes, did what? Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> How he says the goodbye always uh-huh. makes me laugh. He's like, he's like pulling up his little, <laughs> his little robe and he's just like <laughs> sidling down the stairs. I did wish they had put, this was like a small part in the book where they're eating dinner at Christmas and he's there with everybody and he's everybody like, at one um, table. yeah yeah and he has snape next to him and he's like crackers <laughs> and then he switches his hat out for which one for like fun <laughs> i love that dumbledore i was like i love that i, I love more of that yeah it was good and it was it was nice to have those like little lighthearted scenes and you get to see more of the interaction of like the staff and you know it was silly but i liked it i did like it i like dumbledore a lot in this book <laughs> what did you think about snape in the film rest in peace Alan Rickman? <sighs> love him so much. I think this book is where you start to see a different view or start to have a different view of Snape. First of all, just the dramatic. I don't know if you've seen all those TikToks and reels floating around about 
everybody else walking around Hogwarts, Snape walking around Hogwarts, you know, <laughs> with like the cape billowing and just like, it's, it kills me. Even when he takes over Lupin's class, just the way he just like flicks around and drops down the projector and just kills me. He's just so dr- overly dramatic and I love every love minute. But I- the way, the, the part that gets me, and I think where you really start to see who Snape is as a human, is when Lupin turns into a werewolf and you see him pulling all the kids behind him as much as he can't freaking stand them. His first reaction is protect them. And he did it multiple times and even like made Hermione stay back when Harry was off being an idiot, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that started to show a lot of his character and who he really was as a human because his character is very questionable throughout a lot of the books. You never really know where he stands but it's moments like that where you're like you see who he is as a person so I think it, it started to change my mind about who he was and how I felt about him what about you I completely agree like a thousand percent that that moment is when you really saw who he was because at first when Harry disarms him and then this whole thing and they're getting into this nonsense basically back in high school and I'm thinking oh my god this guy is just like he has some damage Mm -hmm. but then even with all that and how much I don't want to say he dislikes Harry but he can't stand looking at him because it's such a reflection of who he actually did hate and who he loved with the eyes always when he does that moment and he puts all the kids behind him I was like and there he is that's who Snape is that's what people don't notice is that's another layer to him and it's it's also hard to watch them in the shrieking shack knowing how how Snape goes out and just knowing how it's all going to come full circle. I'm just like, ah, like I always just have that moment. It's like, I know too much. I can't enjoy it for what it is. I'm just reading so much into everything at this point. Alan Rickman just did. He just did fantastic. He was, yeah, I, I agree. There is no comparison to him. And I think in the last movie when he just kept smacking Ron, like he was just kind of behind him. I think it's in either the next one or one of the later ones. Obviously one of the later ones. Uh, I think it's the next one where he takes both their heads and like shoots them together. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yeah, it might be it might be the next one. Because I feel like He's there was like, a lot of hair happening. Fully over yeah. it. He's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, obviously another big part of this book was serious. Harry finding out that he did have a godfather was starting to interact with him. I had a lot of issues with how they portrayed some of the adults in this because I did feel like they aged everybody up massively and didn't always make sense for me. Although I get it knowing how big some of these actors were in the UK. It makes a lot more sense when you're older. But as a kid, I was like, that's not what they look like. You know, how did you feel about what we did get to see between Harry and Sirius? Because I thought it was a little aggressive in the book for him, for them to like literally just survive this whole ordeal. And then he's like, oh, well, if you want to come live with me. It was just weird. I was like, it's too soon. You don't know him. He's not James. So I, I have a big thing with Sirius about the whole James mm-hmm. thing. That's like my epitome of... I've actually gotten into debates where I'm like, I don't, I'm not a big serious yeah, fan. I'm the same. I don't, I don't hate him, but I don't, I think he's stuck where yeah. he was pre Azkaban, like you said, mentally. Absolutely. And he just sees Harry as James. Mm-hmm. I think it was weird. I think I was like, sir, you are a fugitive. He's 13. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to take him to Diagon Alley just to get his books? Like what, what are you doing? I can't even imagine who Harry would have become if he had lived with Sirius. I think the best thing for Harry would have been to live with the Weasleys. I think that would have, especially the way he 
you know, everything ended with him. Like, luckily, he did survive everything. Sorry, spoilers if you haven't read all of the series. <laughs> or everybody knowing that he very much was going to die at the end. It's like, give him those moments of happiness. Let him live with the Weasleys and just have a grand old time and feel like he has a family, you know? But living with Sirius, I just don't feel, feel like he would have been just de- dealing with all of Sirius's baggage, you know? You know how they say, in my opinion, your parents should not be your friend. Mm-hmm. They should be your parent. Mm-hmm. And Molly was a parent. Mm-hmm. You may not have liked some of the shit she did, but she was a thousand percent a mom and Sirius would have made him his best friend. Like, yeah, we're best friends exactly. and not not parent him. In the you least. can be friends with your parent, but there's always that fine line of mm-hmm. like, no, you're going to listen to me, but we could be cool, but you're going to listen mm-hmm. to me. You know what I mean? So I think it's easier to be friends with your parents, obviously, the older you get. When, when they're older. Literally sure. not, you know. Not when you're 13. Them. Hell no. I was in terror <laughs> when I was 13. Like, I apologized to my mothers constantly because I was like, in spite of myself, <laughs> you somehow raised me to be a decent human because I I was a horrible little human. So to her, not to everybody, just to her. That's where I think the line, like, mm-hmm. yes, be friends with your parents later on. It's cool. Yeah. But at 13, no, absolutely, absolutely not. not. But also, yeah. I don't think Sirius was taking into account how vile Harry was about to be because he's about to go through some emo teenage shit. Sirius was not going to want to deal with that. Like, not at all. So Mm-mm. I don't think it would have been a good mix. All in all, I, I think the book to film adaptation wasn't terrible. They left out some things I really wish they had put in. But again, it's a movie. We get it. It wasn't the era of streaming and Netflix was not what mm-hmm. it is now. I would love to see that. So it's like, if they're ever going to redo it and make it more of a TV series, I just hope we get to see some of these additional scenes because I think it would just make me so happy to see some of this come to life. Maybe McGonagall yelling and <laughs> Oliver Wood just losing his shit <laughs> like the whole year and them finally winning the Quidditch Cup. It made that ending so happy when they did not think they were going to win it. Also, there was no Cho Chang and we were introduced mm-hmm. to Cho in this book playing Quidditch. So, you know, there were just some some things that were left out and I understand that they're not like epic, but still. Yeah, I wish McGonagall would have had a little bit more, like when her and Oliver, mm-hmm. he was trying to get the broom back. Yeah, like every day. <laughs> <laughs> but those were the little things happening in the background that just made this book so fun. Oh my God. And you know what? I forgot one of one of the other fun things about this movie is the night buzz and just how wild they yeah. made it. Oh my God. It was I so thought it was silly. pretty spot on. Yeah. Like I loved how they brought that to life. I felt nauseous just watching it I was like yep not for me I was like I bet Irv and Trelawney go to the same I think they might (laughs) all in all this is definitely the bridge book between you know the fun little kid first couple of Harry Potter books and leading into the very dark twist that we really start especially with book four which I know is one of Kat's favorites definitely one of mine but we want to hear from you how did you feel about Prisoner of Azkaban what are your thoughts on Sirius email us at hello at pagerageodcast.com or DM us on insta at pagerage underscore podcast and of course please please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast network <laughs>